Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, the podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joan Milmai, and this is episode 163, Delicious Little Joys. Hello, hello, and welcome into another episode of the Shiny Bees podcast. I am Jo, I'm your host. Today is Thursday, the 12th of November, and I'm back again with you and some delicious little joys. If you are a new listener today, welcome. I hope you will enjoy hanging out with us. And if you are a returning listener, as always, I super appreciate you for coming back time after time. Some of you multiple times, you crazy cats. Hey, you crazy cats and kittens. Does anyone remember when Carol was like massive back at the beginning of lockdown? Feels like forever. Um, Yeah, welcome back again and glad to have you listening and hanging out with me. So today I'm going to be talking about delicious little joys the knit along it's my first knit along for absolutely ages and i'm hosting it over in the shiny bees podcast club and i'll talk some more about my kind of idea for that it's developed somewhat since last week i've got some book chat for you about things that i've been reading some recommendations for that a couple of delicious little joyful recipes for you plot twist from joe yeah i do cook i cook really well actually and uh, i've got a couple of my favorite recipes to share in case you have any need for any inspiration in the delicious little joys department and yeah some ideas about how you can bring in some delicious little joys to your day. So grab your brew, grab your knitting and let's crack on with the chat. So going to be quite a chatty episode for you today and focusing on the idea of the delicious little joys. It was a proper like cosmic download or whatever you call them. (laughs) random idea um, that came to me sort of last week amidst the slide into despair that is another national lockdown in England, although it doesn't really feel like one. Don't want to bang on about the Rona too much, but I feel like a lot of the episodes of the podcast since it kind of came back in, in March time on a more regular schedule have been indeed inspired by the constraints of the Rona. And listening back to this in future will be a little bit like listening back to old episodes. I mean, the podcast has been going for over eight years now. And there are many times that I forget things that have happened or that I've talked about in the podcast. And very luckily for me, Nicola Nolan has been working her way through the back catalogue. So whenever I throw away a comment about maybe I talked about Movember once or whatever, she says, oh, yeah, it was in this episode because obviously she's listened to them quite recently. And I'm very, very appreciative of that. But I feel like it's a little bit of a almost audio diary, not super audio diary, me, me, me. But uh, oh, do you remember when? Because at, at some point, like I know it doesn't feel like it now. At some point we'll be like, oh, do you remember when we had Corona? Like that's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. And it would be nice to kind of listen back to this at that stage and be like, oh yeah, do you remember that? 
possibly with, or not possibly, absolutely, bloody definitely with more joy in our hearts, a spring in our steps and, you know, a little bit of social in our lives, <laughs> quite frankly. So, yeah, it's been a week already and not too bad, I have to say, for me, frankly. I don't have much of a party lifestyle when I'm solo parent operations. So it basically has involved going to school, coming back again, getting the day wrong for bikeability, forgetting things, children dropping coats straight into puddles just as they get out of the car and in front of all the other parents and then like comedy the coat blowing across the surface of the puddle as you're just like, oh, it's Monday morning. Like, I, j- I just, just didn't need this right now. Yeah, all of that has been completely fine. And like I said, I don't I don't exactly go to the pub much when I'm, I'm home alone. So, you know, meh, whatevs. Got nobody to drink my gym with, really, unless I do a, a little virtual... I do have a virtual happy hour every week, obviously. But I often don't really bother with the gin then because if you're opening a big, a big fever tree, then that means you need two gins so that you don't have half a flat bottle of fever tree. So, you know, I tend not to go too crazy with that because unfortunately I have to get up with the children as well in the morning. So not as fun as it could be, but, you know, we're pressing on and it's all good. And doing loads of cool stuff. I've been working on my um, my reset program that I talked about, I think, a couple of episodes ago and started with, with my crew, which is really cool, super inspiring, getting loads of good ideas and people are getting loads of stuff done, which obviously makes me really happy. And they're really happy because they've got co-working buddies and all of the good stuff, which is cool. And yeah, been working on all of the things, very exciting things coming up that I'm hoping I have enough time left in November to pull off, but I'll let you know about that. So yeah, first up, I want to give a shout out to Erica Eccles, a long time and very dear friend of the podcast, um, who wrote in and gave me a load of recommendations for uh, sock patterns, colourwork sock patterns that she really loves and enjoys. And I will drop some links to those into the podcast community over on Mighty Networks. But yeah, I just want to go big up to you. Big up to you, Lisa. We love you. Um, she's had a bit of a tricky year and I just want to send you some love via the podcast. I'm always thinking about you, as you know, and um, thank you so much for sending in those recommendations for me. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about delicious little joys. Prompted entirely, I think obviously by the lockdown sitch, shall we say, second lockdown, locked, locked, locked up round two. Like Die Hard, you know, this is the sequel to the first really crap. Not well, not that the Die Hard is a crap film, but I feel like Lockdown Two is like the not that exciting sequel to the original blockbuster. Like Home Alone Two wasn't that good compared to Home Alone, which is thirty years old. Good grief, that film came out thirty years ago. As he told me on the radio the other day, I'm like, yeah, thanks make me feel old radio one i'm already clinging on to your demographic with the death grip of someone who's 15 years outside of it but thanks for making me feel super old there'll be people listening to this who don't even know what home alone is and um, yeah the delicious little joys part of of the lockdown so i it kind of came to me to have this this knit along and the, the the name delicious little joys just dropped into my head and I thought yep let's just call it that because I don't think anyone else has used that 
hashtag. So let's just go for it. Turns out they haven't. Didn't even check because I'm a baller. And um, they haven't. Oh, dropped my pen there. Haven't used that uh, hashtag. So that is the hashtag we're using. It's hashtag delicious little joys cal. Um, so you can take part on Insta if you want, but I, I'm not going to be there. I won't lie. I'll drop in and out because that's how I, that's my relationship with Insta these days. And um, all of the chat and fun stuff that I'm going to be doing will be over in the Shiny Bees podcast community. You can join that. It's free. And it's shinybees.com forward slash community. And you'll get redirected into Mighty Networks. You just request it. It'll ask you why you want to join because I just don't want some randoms who's going to come in there and put sausage pictures in there basically not that kind of sausage that kind of sausage so um just to check that you've got a vague idea what the podcast is and it's not going to be people who come in and drop spam and run all of the meat jokes here (laughs) joe uh, you need to get out more and yeah, basically, I will give you permission and then you can get in and, and chat on there and show your pictures, see what other people are doing. And it's dead, it's dead laid back, it's dead chilled. You can, you know, join in as much as you want. But the main thing is it isn't on soul-sucking Facebook or any other horrible um, social media platforms that you might not want to be on. Or me, basically, I don't want to be on. So, yeah, it's on there and it's a super lovely, happy place to be. So I'm enjoying it. There's a few people in there already in the topic chatting about what they're going to make, which is awesome. I, as I mentioned last time, I'm going to be knitting Helen Stewart's Glitz at the Ritz. It's vintage curious. I'm calling it hashtag vintage curious because it's from 2013, this pattern. And it was for Nitty, which we've mentioned quite a few times in the last few episodes, which is an awesome, great, uh, cat- not catalogue, magazine of patterns and articles it's all free online nitty.com some great options in there from some really like big name designers quite often started off by putting patterns in nitty or they will submit patterns to nitty anyway and we're always well worth a look and this one this particular one glitz at the ritz is one of, of helen's nitty patterns so i've got my yarn my delicious yarn i've got my delicious bees i've got my pattern printed and i am ready to go so i am dragging it out like i've, I've got them out i've put them on the side now to admire them as i walk past there's going to be a big production possibly on friday when it's hashtag virtual happy hour of winding the yarn you know, getting getting all the, the gubbins out to wind the yarn and, you know, have my little gin and tonic. It's a chase gin. I always have chase. It's pomelo and grapefruit. It's delicious. I've got it on subscription. Very much recommend you try that if you like your grapefruity gins. I don't like the sugary ones. I'm very much the kind of sour type taste. So chase do an awesome gin. Grapefruit and pomelo. I'll link to it in the show notes as always. Hashtag enabled. Ginabled. Ginabled. That is, that, is that even a hashtag? Ginabled should be a hashtag. I'd write that down, but I've dropped my pen. So I'll just have to memorise it. And I'm just working up to the whole cast on, which will be on the 15th of November. So the pattern can be any pattern that brings you joy. The yarn is any joyful yarn that makes you feel joy. And we'll all cast on together and we'll, ca- we'll carry on till we don't need to feel joy anymore, which I think will be around the 1st of February. Just guessing. But if we get through the really cold, dark bits of January, by the 1st of February, I think we'll be, we'll be good. We'll be good. You can knit multiple projects if you like. Um, you can knit a big project, a small project. You can bring something that you've been working on that you haven't already started. You can, if you don't want to knit something, you want to make crochet or sew or whatever else, as long as it fits the 
joyful bracket and you know joyful is subjective and personal to you then then do it frankly and the kind of ethos the idea behind it and what i would like to try and encourage almost more than the than the knitting is 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 finding the little joyful bits the delicious little joys in every day and it either finding them or actively just creating them for yourself every day and recording them like sending them to, you know putting them on your insta putting them in the group whatever you want to do or not telling anyone if you don't want to but to actively plan in a delicious little joy to every day of this knit along however big or small you want to make it it doesn't matter but to be like today my delicious little joy is a priority and it is going to be this so an everyday delicious little joy for me is yoga as you know, if you've been listening for a while, it's something that I <laughs> I initially learned, learned being a loose word, spent a lot of time looking at my arse in an oversized mirror, oversized arse, frankly, compared to everyone else <laughs> in China, in completely in Chinese. I started yoga classes when I lived in China last year and learned how to do all of the different moves basically by copying everyone else who was really good at it. And I really was not. Um, and like the odd foreigner out and at least like 15 sizes bigger than everyone else. But whatever, you know, I'm owning it. It's my culture. I've got a big bum, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> that'll be all the pies. Go back to the episode before this one if you want to know anything about beige carbs. Delicious. So I learned yoga in China and completely in Chinese. Didn't know what any of the poses were called. I knew how to count in Chinese, mostly from having to hold ridiculously difficult poses and then have countdowns very slowly. San, R, E, and then yeah, so another another word that I can't actually remember because I was mostly collapsed at that point. Anyway, came back to yoga post China in the covid era with yoga with Adrian and started with the home program, which I then merrily recommended to all of you thinking it was quite easy because it was quite easy compared to hardcore China yoga. Like I was like, oh mate, this is only like 25 minutes and it's all like peace and love, you know, no one's sitting on my back trying to get me to contort into the appropriate pose, which I can't because I'm European and a bit chunky, like <laughs> not very flexible. I can't get into these poses. Um, I'm like, no, home's dead easy. I reckon you can do it. And it was compared to China yoga, but um Having gone through that and then gone through a load of other like her month, like Yoga with Adrian's monthly calendars or whatever, I came back to doing yoga at home again at the beginning of October and it was actually pretty hard, obviously like not having done as much exercise during lockdown. It was quite tricky, quite hard. <laughs> Had the old disco arms trying to do my plank pose. Um, so... Yeah, but that's one of my daily delicious little joys. It's one of my priorities. It's one of my like me things that I insist upon happening. So as of Tuesday, I was 200 daily days of yoga into being like a yogi. I reckon I can call myself a yogi now. And 200 days straight of doing it. And it, it's made a massive difference for me. Like, I really love it. I love the breathing. I love the stopping and thinking. I love the self-prioritization with permission and zero guilt. And, you know, I like having that stronger arms and and feeling the, the calmness of the, the, of the breath. Feel the breath. 
And I can actually switch off from things as well when I do it. So I love that. It's one of my non-negotiable delicious little joys, daily delicious little joys. And that sort of kind of idea of bringing the priority of a delicious little joy into your day alongside the knitting. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Well, there are some bad things that could depend so delicious your little joys are really, but... You know, prioritising doing something that makes you feel joyful every day, it's got to have a good effect, regardless of what that, you know, how you achieve that that joy. I'm not condoning any illegal behaviour, by the way, or encouraging it, but I am encouraging the joys. So, you know, maybe it's a bubble bath. Maybe it is one of my other daily joys, which is a pre-everyone getting up chapter with my first brew of the day of my book. It could be other delicious little joys. It could be Another one of my joys, which is not daily, but probably should be driving my Mini with Radio X on far too loud. The stereo in that car is amazing. I've got these little lights that change colour constantly. I love Radio X. They play all of my favourite tunes. You know, the Smiths, how soon is now, sounds amazing in that car. Makes me feel really happy. Driving like a bit of a lunatic makes me feel really happy in a safe way. I'm not affecting anyone else, but overuse of acceleration up to the legal speed limit makes me feel joy. So, yeah, there are loads of different things you could do. And what what is joyful is personal to you. But the idea of this knit along is to encourage you to do it and prioritise it and fit it in every day. Because it's going to get a lot darker and colder in the Northern Hemisphere, at least. If you're in South Africa or all my Aussie listeners who I love driving the trains in the outback. It's only going to get warmer for you. You're all right. It's going to get pretty cold and miserable in the north. And with an absence of beige carbs, we need something else to feel happy. So delicious little joys it is. So let me know if you're going to be joining in. It is zero stress, zero fuss, zero anything other than focus on the joy. And we'll see. Might find some, might find some prizes um, just for being joyful. We, you know, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. I'm sure it will develop. But in order to encourage some joyfulness today, I have two of my favourite recipes to recommend to you. They are not my personal recipes. They are just ones that I use often. They are extremely popular for school bakes and slightly calorific, slightly calorific. But I think you'll like them. So the first one I will recommend is a chocolate brownie cake recipe. It is a BBC Good Food recipe. I'll link out to it in the show notes. And it is cakey and chocolatey and brownie all in one. It's quite quick and easy to do. You don't, you know, you don't need any specialist equipment. And I like to make it with fairly cheap dark chocolate from any supermarket, you get big, big slabs for a quid and then add in a couple of bits of 90% uh, lint chocolate. That's my, my top secret tip is about 15 to 20% of it. I put in a different kind of chocolate. So I'll either put in like a full whisper bar if it's going to school for the kids because it's a bit sweeter. Not that it needs more sugar, frankly. And um, I like to put in some 90% chocolate. You can get the little um, sort of 25 by 25 centimetre tin pans from from the supermarket just to make it in or you can get like an actual proper baking tray that that is that size and it says serve six i recommend unless you want to have palpitations from the sugar or go into a diabetic coma i recommend that you make 12 portions so cut cut it into 12 not into six i mean but i mean if it brings you joy to have an, an extra one 
crack on. That's what we're doing, isn't it? Um, so that is my first recommendation for you. And it has a, a ton of butter and stuff in it. But I'm sure if you've got other dietary needs, you could swap some stuff in. You'll know what works better than me. The next one I have for you is honey flapjack. This is butter, <laughs> butter, honey, and porridge, basically, and oats. It's super quick and easy to make. It lasts quite well, lasts for a few days. Again, bit of a sugar hit, but it's the the richness of the butter, I think, that makes it really kind of doughy and stodgy and, and happiness inducing. Obviously, if you don't um, eat honey for whatever reason, you could put in some maple syrup or some golden syrup or maybe even treacle I quite fancy trying treacle in it to be honest seeing how that works out something a little bit richer and darker I quite often will mix and match and take out white caster sugar and put in golden caster sugar or a percentage of like dark muscovado sugar just for that kind of I really like the dirty treacly taste um a bit more like toffee a bit more burnt tasting with it actually being burnt um, so I quite often will swap them out and I have done with this recipe as well before I've swapped the sugars around and um, swapped out honey for maple syrup and things like that. That is another, I think, BBC Good Food recipe, but I'll put links to both of these in the show notes because obviously they're not my recipe, so I'm not going to re- replicate them in the show notes, but you can link out so you can get them for free. Obviously, they're on on the website and available. But yeah, another qu- super quick, like 10-minute mix recipe and you're done and it's in the oven and jobs are good and really. So yeah, delicious little joys. Um, So the next thing I'm going to talk about is knitting. Knitting before books. A quick update on the knitting because we had quite a long update last week. I have been searching for yarn for my For Fox Sake sweater, which I'm knitting for the southerner. Balsamic boy, as he's become known. Not the only person to put balsamic vinegar on chips, I've found out, Avril. Avril sent me a message saying she also puts balsamic on chips and didn't know it was a crime. It is in the north, but it might not be elsewhere. <laughs> but if you that, that's a, it brings you joy, Avril. Balsamic boy, you do it. You put you crack on. Put whatever vinegar on you want. I'll just sit there silently judging you in the corner with my, my malt vinegar, my sarsen's malt vinegar, taking it seriously. So I was advised by my lovely, lovely friend of the podcast and longtime in-person friend, Amy Lee of Knit Spin Cake. She has used the West Yorkshire Spinners Croft for a couple of garments and she advised me that it can be, it's beautiful, but it can be a little bit pilly. And obviously I had actively been trying to avoid anything that was too pilly because I don't want to have to depill the jumper for him because he's a fidget. So he's going to pill it all, isn't he? Big sweaty man. So I'm now considering either Eden Cottage Yarns Milburn DK, which is a BFL silk mix and wears super well but I wasn't sure if it was going to be a bit too glam for him I'm not sure whether he is a silk jumper kind of guy I mean he likes his his, you know his treats he likes his high-end materials so maybe maybe he's he's decided recently that he's he's now in inverted commas air quotes too old to wear t-shirts 41 and now he's wearing shirts instead like he's proper taking himself too seriously so um probably partially why i'm knitting for fuck's sake he's gonna have like his little little shirt on and then and his chinos and then his jumper um 
So yeah, he might like the silk. He might. I think he's at eighty-five percent BFL, fifteen percent silk from memory. So it'll be super nice, long staple fiber in fiber in the BFL. Obviously, the silk will add a little bit of sheen and some nice drape, and will also help with the wear and tear. Um, but a little bit more expensive, and I'm not sure I can get the right shades that I'm looking for. The blue is fine. The orange is fine. It's the the greys that I'm not. 100% sure on with the colorways, the four different colors that I need. The other one I've been considering, again, a BFL, is West Yorkshire Spinner's Blueface Leicester DK. It seems to be out of stock in a lot of places, but I've found somewhere that does have it. It's a yarn shop, but it's got it on eBay in the quantity that I would need because all my usual haunts that I would check out, like Northern Yarn or whatever, don't, don't have. So not enough of them. They've got one or two oddballs. So Again, that could be a possibility for that. So I've spent most of the week researching that really and trying to come up with an alternative for the yarn so that I can get it all ready to go and uh, got to get one of his little friends to measure him to make sure that I'm knitting it in the right size. So yeah, that's my knitting. And in terms of the reading sitch, obviously I've just been banging on about how I read every morning first thing with my cup of tea not to be disturbed get up early to do it because I'm such a blowhard and just because I'd, otherwise I'd probably just punch someone first thing in the morning I'm like not not a great person before I've had a cup of tea which may come as a surprise to some of you I'm not that cheerful pre-tea only takes a couple of, of of cups and then I'm like right it's rain you know but anyway I've been reading quite a few books and I've been to the library got some books from there because it's been open thank goodness even though the selection does seem to have been slimmed down a little bit and I'm not entirely sure why because there's never more than one person in when I go it's always some old dude on the computer and that's it you know but anyway um I have finished reading the Rivers of London series that I've been sort of working on for a couple of months now I finished up to number 7.5 which is October man I was lent a massive box of books by my friend uh, Sal Gingerbread Bunny that she posted down to me to try we're both massively into Terry Pratchett so I knew that I would like most of the books that she sent to me anyway so I've read through those and I'm kind of working them out of the box and into a bag to return to her because they are definite personal library books that need to be returned and um, it's been the same story through all of this. And a lot of people, when I was on Instagram talking about starting these books and starting the Rivers of London, were raving about it and saying it's amazing. They love it. A lot of my friends who I'm connected with on Goodreads uh, have given them all five stars. And again, I, like I know these people really well. And I'm like, I would definitely like their books. I found initially them very frustrating in that they sort of, they're going really well and it's like witty and really witty observations and interesting characters which I really enjoyed and I liked the world building and everything that went on but then like you get to the last sort of 40 pages and the plot would just go off a cliff like in one of them he's just got to this fairy world and then his girlfriend rocks up on a steam train before like the peril has even started Oh, it just got it just got annoying. I'm like, oh, I feel like he gets to the end, near to the end of the book, and thinks, 
I can't be asked like when you're at school and you have to write a story and then three quarters of the way through you think I don't know how to finish this I can't be asked and they all lived ever, ever, happily ever at the end happily ever after the end um I feel like it's a bit like that and I don't know whether it's because he was a screenwriter as well. And I guess you never finish a story when you're a screenwriter because it's a series. So you always leave it on a bit of a cliffhanger. But he wasn't leaving it on a cliffhanger. He was just kind of killing it off. Right at the end when it was getting interesting, you spent the whole book reading and getting into the, the plot just to get to the end and go, all oh, right, is that it? Like, like, almost like he couldn't be bothered. And that really annoyed me for like the first four books. And then I just, well, we were chatting about it actually in, in the commu- in the club, the podcast club. And I just got to a point where it, I just accepted that that's how it's going to be. I think it was Kate Gregory, um, who is another lovely long-term listener and friend of the show. And uh, used to work in a library, I think, but recommends some awesome books. And she was just like, yeah, it's just, it just it, they are, they're all like that. And I was like, okay, well, if I can just stop expecting it to improve and for him to like get his flow and just accept that's how they are then that'll be better and it was so there's never really quite like that excited ending to them but the first 80 percent are always good and you know 80 20 rule Pareto's principle probably worth reading so that was all of ben aronovich's rivers of london books up to 7.5 the next one I've, I've got was one that i got from the library i sort of i think i was the library catalogues are really difficult to search they're just very like old school and mandrolic i think i would have more luck literally looking through index cards finding what i'm looking to find um, but i wanted to reserve some online and i reserved some in lockdown so i could just pick them up when when they opened or in case they decided to open halfway through and just give people some reading materials so i went into like the new books section i don't think this book is a particularly new book but it must have been new to the library and it is Winter Blaze by Kristen Callahan. Now, this is part of a series as well. It was number three in the Darkest London series. So obviously I just chinned off the first two because I didn't know they existed. And it had a nice cover. So I picked it. And it was actually really good. There's a strong female protagonist, which we always like. And a tortured husband, always helpful. <laughs> and basically, you know, she's quite modern set in Victorian London. She's super modern and not at all normal and ladylike because she isn't. Don't want to spoil the whole plot. Um, And he's who he is and some stuff happened to him before this. And there's been a lot of secrets going on and it's sort of the story of them kind of adjusting to this new dynamic where neither of them are who the other one thought they were and all of that, but they sort of, you know, work through that. I really like it. Um, there's an awful lot of <laughs> awful lot of sausage in this, actually. A little bit more on the rumours side of things, shall we say. But outside of, of that, if that's not necessarily your bag, it's not full on. You know, it's every now and again there's a scene where that's going on, trying to be a bit coy and kiss any small listeners listening. And um, uh, the other stuff outside of that, because it is still quite fa- urban fantasy type based, and the whole Victorian part, if you're into Victoriana, was really good. Definitely worth a read. So I'd recommend that one. And I'll probably check out some of the others in the series. Another library book I had was called Infinity Sun um, from the Infinity Cycle 1, because everything's in a series these days, by Adam Silvera. And I have to say, it was painfully, dreadfully, 
awful. I am glad it is a library book and I didn't actually pay for it. It was that bad. It was so painful to read and I really wanted it to be fun and interesting because there's a lot more representation in it. There's a lot of um, LGBTQI plus characters in it and um, the author is um, Latino and I'm like, brilliant, I'll read this, it'll be great. Uh, it wasn't, it was dreadful. It, there was zero world building in it for a fantasy book and it's a, it's a first in a series and a fantasy book series you expect some world building. So there was all these different factions and all this different stuff going on, but I had a clue how any of it related. I didn't know enough about any of it to get attached to it or understand it, which annoyed me. It was proper like meandering youth dialogue, talking all about like watching YouTube and how many hits I've got and social media. It was boring, pretty predictable, and I abandoned it at page 85. So I would heartily recommend that you give that a swerve because it was utter I would not mop I literally would not line my budge's cage with it it was that bad really disappointed because some of his other books have got really good reviews and I thought it might be quite good sorry Adam I wanted to love you but I just didn't cutting no mustard pulling no punches there um so my last one for you and I really really enjoyed this one is a long petal of the sea by Isabel Alande, I think it's pronounced Alande, Alande probably. And um, I got actually got a bookmark from a bookshop in South Africa that was advertising this. And I've been using this bookmark for ages. And I went to the library when it opened and I was allowed in and actually spotted it on a shelf. So I was like, brilliant, I'll take that. And I'm really glad I did. It is set during the kind of Spanish Civil War, Chilean... Um, military coup and the Junta and, and Pinochet came to power. So it's like a kind of swerve all the way through that about this couple with some other um, characters around them who emigrate from Spain during the revolution there to Chile and it follows the journey. And it's not a fancy book and it's a historical fiction, but it was really good, really lovely writing, really interesting characters no massive plot twists in it. It was just like a, a commentary on life and how it was then and, and their relationship and how their life was um, and a bit of the history around it as well. Loved it. I thought it was cracking. Super accessible for anyone who wants to read it because, I mean, I didn't know much about any of those historical events before I read this, but you didn't need to. The, the way the book was written, it wasn't necessary. So that was a long petal of the sea. So I would definitely have a look at that if you're looking for some recommendations for books. Um, as always, if you are reading anything that you think I'm going to love, especially anything knitting related, then please do let me know. And I'm over on Goodreads. I'm Joe Millman on Goodreads as well. So if you hang out over there and you want to make friends with me, then please do so. I also drop my books into the podcast community. Um, we've got a books channel in there for people to chat about books as well. So yeah, that's all I've got time for this week. Very chatty, chilled out, laid back episode, uh, which I hope you've enjoyed and joy, all of the joy. I don't know how many times I've said joy in this episode, but it's got to be a lot, hasn't it? Um, but do come and join us for the delicious little joys, Carl. And other otherwise, until next time, take care, happy crafting, and I will speak to you all again soon. Cheers.
You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode with links to everything I've talked about can be found on the website. It is shinybees.com forward slash 163. That's all right. I feel a need to laugh again with you.